Hello, Amy Gastelum here. If you want to stay in the loop on all things making contact, take a minute and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Or you could visit our website at radioproject.org to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Okay, here's the show. Making, making, making contact. Making contact. <laughs> Today on Making Contact, we bring you The Healing Project, a multimedia installation that features personal stories from those who are incarcerated and highlights the deep trauma that imprisonment has had on their lives and their loved ones. When you walk into The Healing Project at Yerba Center for the Arts in San Francisco, you see a piano centered in the middle of a huge space, connected to three smaller rooms. There's sound coming from every direction people's voices talking about their life experiences with prisons. There's an altar against one wall, draped with prayer beads, white candles, dried flowers, and bottles of alcohol. Above it is a mural of a person crowned with flowers, their faces in a silhouette, but somehow feels like you can look into their eyes. Welcome to The Healing Project. This is basically just the title wall. Obviously for like any type of exhibition you have, the title wall, which is like an introduction context for people to understand what they're going to experience. And so we wanted to try to write it like from a personal perspective. So all this language here is just basically from my artist statement of like trying to explain why I tried to create the project and what's inside of it. Obviously, the heart of the project is in, in the interviews, some of which you'll hear that we did across the country uh, with folks who have experienced structural violence from a series of different contexts, um, talking to them about what they went through, but also about their healing practices. And it's like a combination, like sound, visuality, language. We're trying to kind of basically cover all the bases. So these right here at the beginning, this is these are tapes that have short interviews on them from different folks that are incarcerated. That's some more appendages the Bay Area-raised composer, pianist, singer, and activist. He has spent the past eight years exploring structures of systemic racism, specifically how many families navigate the daily realities of state violence and the systems of detention and incarceration in the United States. He comes from a family with a long history of social and racial justice activism. His father, Howard Penderhughes, was an organizer in the anti-apartheid movement as a student at UC Berkeley. He later went on to work with violence prevention organizations and is an active member of the Brotherhood of Elders Network. His mother, Raquel Penderhughes, is also an activist. Fighting for environmental and racial justice, supporting solidarity movements in Latin America, and creating programs to support incarcerated youth and adults while also fighting to abolish the prison industrial complex. Penderhughes follows in his parents' footsteps. He wants the healing project to lift up the voices of those who have been locked up and silenced, to not only show the world that this flawed system should be abolished, but to also show support for people who've experienced structural violence. Telling the truths about the violences of the current system and the the true need to basically eradicate it, not to reform it. Um, And being like super honest about how it affects people. And then on the other side, actually showing what what a type of other world is possible and what people actually need in their day-to-day if they're going to actually be the healthiest versions of themselves. 
the piece that, that I always talk about first or think about first is a piece that is narrated and spoken by uh, my brother Keith Lamar, who's you know incarcerated in Ohio on death row. And it's called Sweet. And it's basically like a piece where he discusses, um, you know, his experience, not just being incarcerated, but even growing up previous to that as a very young person, because he was, he was incarcerated very young. But basically the thesis of it is he's talking about the thing that he's the most proud of throughout his whole time um, of his life is that he's maintained and held on to his sweetness because every level from his childhood and, and it, you know, um, growing up in this country to, you know, obviously being incarcerated, everything is designed to rob him of that sweetness and to kind of make him unfeeling, make him like hard and all this stuff. And he's just like, I always hold on to that sweet part of myself and then he talks about also the people around him that help him maintain that and support that part of him and I love that because you know obviously number one I really believe in that so much and that we all need to hold on to that and be able to hold on to that but also because I think it directly contradicts the image that one wants to paint of somebody on death row. Penderhues walks me to a room with words on the wall that read they chew you up swallow you Audio was playing of a man named Keith Lamar, describing how he holds on to his humanity despite being incarcerated. I mean, one of the, one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm surprised about, and my friends tell me this, you know, people who that, that really know me, um, it's kind of still kind of surprising to me. I'm sweet, man, you know. I mean, I, I, I love being sweet to, to my friends and, you know, you know, when I was younger, when I was growing up, that wasn't cool to be sweet. You know, I remember the little sweet little boy I was, you know. You know, um, and by sweet, I mean, I, I just I just like to make connection with people. You know, I like that tenderness, you know. It's just the human thing. You know, to connect with people on, on, you know. But this situation, you know, when we talk about the criminal justice system, really what it is is the digestive system. A digestive track. You know, they chew you up with that education. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. You know, they chew you up with that education, swallow you, and, you know, you go in the stomach, a large, small intestines, and then you come out and have a piece of it. So one of the things I've been kind of most amazed about myself that I've been able to hold on to my sweetness, you know, my sense of, uh, you know, that's one of the things I, I, I most like about myself. But the only people that are really close to me that kind of know, you know, because you have to have the opportunity to, you know, well, I'm sweet to myself as well. I'm, 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 kinda, I'm good to myself. You know, um, even after all I've been through. And, you know, that's one of the things that I want people to know that even in, like, uh, even if your worst fears come true, you know, Nothing, you know, but death itself can rob you of who you really are. Nothing. You know, like, you know, I can be myself, you know, God gave me understand. I, one of my close friends told me a long time ago, he said, you know, uh, for money, life can be had no matter where you are. Mm. You can still laugh in prison. You can still cry in prison. You can still, you know, be who you are, where you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I think of. Uh, I'm most proud about. 
you never think that I've accomplished, man. The steps I've been able to hold on to that, you know, sense of sweetness in myself. Yeah. Keith Lamar was sentenced to prison at the age of 19 for murder. He has spent over 30 years in prison, most of it in solitary confinement. The Healing Project forces us to acknowledge the deep problems in America's so-called system of corrections and rehabilitation. Penderhughes exposes the system's focus on forced servitude, imprisonment, and punishment, and its failure to consider the futures of those re-entering society and the impacts on their families and communities. A prison is like, I mean, it's like an embassy. That's the only way I can think of it. It's like they don't have to follow the rules of the governing land. You know what I'm saying? They just have their own, they just have their own policies and there's no one there to say it's not okay. I think that, you know, so much of the land in the prison is conditioning, right? The conditioning to see oneself as inferior. Uh, conditioning to, to break people, conditioning to uh, to try to, to have people be less of themselves, right? And I, I'm very intentional and very habitual about this for myself is that I refuse to walk with my head down. I refuse not to look somebody in the eye. <laughs> and, and, and when I see somebody do that, you know, I, I'm gently pointed out to them, it's like, not heads up. You know, so it's kind of like, you know, there's nothing good that's going to come out of this situation except for me leaving this place. Titles like inmate, convict, excellent. They're demeaning titles. They're placed, they put in place to diminish self-respect and dignity and to demean you and your character and strength your spirit. And I believe this is all connected with the billion dollar industrial prison complex. How do we capture? They have conferences where they get together and they think really hard about how to make a better cage. And then they sell their products to them and they implement it on us. Caging. Thank you for using GTL. The Healing Project is a haunting tapestry of instrumentation and stories about the cruel nature of prison. Each interviewee offers truth and vulnerability about their experiences in hopes of expressing their pain and bringing attention to the inhumane realities of prison. The Healing Project shows the deep trauma that the prison system causes for families and the long journey of healing that must take place. Walking through the exhibition, I enter a dark grayish room with images of men and women being projected off the wall recorded voices of people talking about the challenges that come after incarceration. This is why I need to try to get my record expunged, man, because I'm always facing these barriers, you know, especially if I'm trying to get some property, I'm trying to do something like that. I'm always facing barriers, you know, so, um, you know, I still feel that pain, you know, of being disenfranchised, man, being um, civilly dead. No one wants to give you a home. No one wants to give you a place to stay because they think you're going to be a problem just because you've been in jail and prison. You're going to have the wrong people. You're going to have too much coming in or out there. You know, these are all the assumptions that they make up. Yeah, about people that's been in prison when really all we want to do is get a place to stay, get some stability, and get on with our lives. But it's hard to, since I know what that mentality and mindset is, 
Now I'm in a blue-lit room. I can hear interviewees talking about the psychological warfare of prison and the trauma they experienced. It's basically like a mixtape. So, like, I took all the interviews, cut them up, brought them to different producers, and then I basically, like, made a few different pieces with each of the producers. So there's, it's like, each of the pieces are about five minutes, three to five minutes, and they're on loop. So it's basically like, if you stay for however long you stay, you're getting that amount, but if you were to come in at a different time, you might hear something totally different. You know. Civilized people don't live like this. This is the way animals live. This is animals. I'm not an animal. I'm not an animal. I'm not an animal. I'm not an animal. A prison is like, I mean, it's like an embassy. That's the only way I can think of it. It's like they don't have to follow the rules of the governing land. You know what I'm saying? They just have their own, they just have their own policies and there's no one there to say it's not okay. So you can you can buck against the system, but they've got it in place. I mean, it's literally just like slavery. You can run. If we catch your ass, this was gonna happen. So they let you see the folks who kick up against, you know what I'm saying, the system. And they parade them around, handcuffed, dummy box, little spit mask on, just, ooh. It's psychological warfare. And this bottom line is what it is. It's psychological warfare. And it has broken many people. Sitting in the blue room, feeling the vibration of the woofers strategically planted underneath the bench, you cannot escape the raw and painful stories of people who could be your brother, your student, your neighbor, your friend, or even you. If a person is coming in here that's 15, they have to hear that they has a resident with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then also we have strings. We have, like if a person comes in that's 60, it's going to be something for them too. You know? All original production music from like me and like 20 other cats like all around New York. Um, and then we mixed it specifically for surround sound for the space. So there's different parts of it coming out of every speaker. Right, right. I saw it as soon as I walked out, I said, okay, I know Maximum impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, maximum impact. Many people who enter the carceral system bring a series of traumatic experiences with them, including a lifetime of dealing with micro and macro level racism and oppression. Incarceration only adds to the trauma, which is oftentimes generational. every prison in California and out behind my father. Like, I kind of grew up in the prisons, like, where the prison guards kind of knew me and my mom. He always, my dad wrote me letters since I was born, and he would always open the letter with the same, uh... Same phrase. Same same phrase. You know, and I just, I never wrote back because I was a kid. So I just expected my dad to write these letters and he always did. 
he always remembered my birthday. He always remembered any dates that were important. He was good with dates. So he would write and say, oh, yeah, you did this today. That's the relationship I have with him. And just all in my head, I had this fantasy about what I wanted him to be to me. And he just never could. You know, I seen my dad 10 months clean before he died. And I hurried up and went and took photographs. You know, he wasn't there for me or my sister when we were born, but he got to see Eric born with me. You know, he got to see my son. These transparent conversations have similar heartbreaking themes. Families torn apart and lost time. One part of the project is made up of over 100 powerful testimonies and an LP titled Grief, created by those who've been locked up. Penderhughes has put these interviews together with songs. I sat with him to talk more about the messages in the music. He told me about one song in particular that best describes the project, titled Process. I would say um, probably Process. You know, I would say that that song definitely, definitely builds it because I think that it that song represents this idea that you know the the key to moving through all of this in real time is understanding that we're not going to get through it tomorrow it's not going to get better tomorrow that's just the reality so in that context we do the best we can and we also we recalibrate our our expectations of what healing looks like that it is not it is not like a competitive triumph over one's demons or whatever one's going through. It's trying every day to make it a little bit better. And it's trying every day to extend uh, your, extend grace to yourself in, this, in the way that you would to the person that, you, that person that you love, you know? And I think that that's a very important part for those that are going through those things. And that is, at the end of the day, what the project is made for. I want everyone to experience it, but the project is made for those that's going through the things. There's some things that I don't want to admit So I try not to think about it So there's a lot of ugly things in my heart I just hope to the Lord I don't slip You feel me? Said there's some things that I don't want to admit So I try not to think about it There's a lot of ugly things in my heart I just hope to the Lord I don't slip I wonder what it's like to let it out That part of me that I'm so afraid of It holds on me and tosses me about Doesn't seem to be something I get away from Tell me how do you name well-kept secrets that you never say out loud And why does the body see these demons But keep me from calling out 
I guess I'll just say it's a process One day at a time mm-hmm. Pender Hughes highlights the harsh realities of the prison system the traumatic experiences it causes for entire families, and the difficult long road to healing. He knows that the songs in the Healing Project are intense. He's pushing his audience to connect with those who are unseen and feel their undeniable pain and sorrow. So there's a whole entire world that I've created in my mind. And it's so much the Healing Project is asking, how do we survive America? What does it mean to maintain one's humanity while dealing with the trauma of relentless systemic racism? I don't really believe that true healing can can exist in this type of capitalist society because the whole society is built on exploitation. So it does not exist without exploitation. There's no way for it to exist. And, and that's another f- function of the prison is that the prison is where we put all the people that would show us how much society has failed. You know, it's like you don't want to look at how this capitalist system has created a problem with so many people being unhoused or has created the problem with so many people losing their mortgage or so many people, you know, uh, not being able to have a job. But it's like y'all did this, but you don't want to look at it. So then you're going to take everybody and put them and lock them up, you know. Pinterest believes that it's possible to support alternatives to our draconian prison system while also recognizing that people are complicated. I definitely try to be very conscious of saying this project is not a project about innocence. Like a lot of the people that are a part of the project have done different things, you know, but they're also some of the kindest, most brilliant, most loving individuals I've ever met. And when you get deep into them dealing with and talking about why those things happen and where they are now, number one, they're actually evidence of what a real process of accountability can look like because they've actually moved through these processes in a way that few of us have and definitely not because the prison did that for them but because they did it themselves in spite of their conditions. In The Healing Project, Penderhue shines a light on the fact that true rehabilitation and healing cannot happen within systems built to enforce oppression and structural racism. He puts faces, voices, and humanity to people behind bars. He wants to see systemic change and stop the cycles of increased trauma and harm. His vision for the future is filled with hope for stronger organizing efforts to dismantle the prison industrial complex. He puts this energy into his music. Hope I wrote, I think that was the last song I wrote for the record, and it was something I wanted to represent of, um, like, (laughs) I often get a, you know, I often get response from people of like, oh man, your work is like so dark, it's so like heavy and whatever, and I'm like, yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking about. But, um, so I kind of, I kind of titled it that, like, as a, kind of a cheeky thing like hey well here you go but you know obviously it's not like a uh, a purely uh happy-go-lucky song but to me it does represent what hope means to me which as I said hope is a discipline and I think for me it, it represents this this era of um you know for some people the things that are going on is not a reality we can check in and out of But I think for a lot of other folks, you know, a lot of white folks, a lot of rich folks, a lot of different people, you know, you can check in and out of the fight depending on when it's comfortable for you to be there. 
and how you feel about, you know, how guilty are you today? That's going to make determine whether you would participate or not. And so I wanted to do a song that challenged that and said, like, you know, you can't just if you really want to represent hope, you can't just say, oh, hope means I just going to hope it gets better. Now you have to participate and you have to realize that it's not going to just go away because you wish it away. It's only going to go away if we organize. You told me the war is over While everything's for sale It's all in a good performance Yes, you pretend to care Hide the weapons It's all for the crowd You wanna believe so badly That everything was safe don't nobody lose a fortune It works for you It's awfully loud in here Cause Jesse still owes his rent now And Bree is working for 500 cents And she is still calling collect now Can't believe in you say when I see this Can't believe in all the words of the preachers When your whole existence is illegal While we wash up all the blood of the people Wash up all the blood One of the most powerful things about the healing project is the community of creators that have created it with me. It's almost a hundred different people between folks who are narrators who have shared their stories, visual creators, artwork, music. And this is very much of a collective project. And the best part of it, I think, is that hopefully when people step into the space, whether it's digitally, whether it's physically, they will feel that collective notion. They'll feel that thing of, this is a, a group of folks that have come together to try to really almost create an artistic rendition of them being around a dinner table talking to each other about these things, but from all around the country. And my hope is that when people will step into it, they will feel like they need to give themselves into that. You know, I don't want them to to think, oh, I'm going to take something away. I want them to give themselves to it, you know. So that's my hope for uh, how people will approach it. And I would say the other secondary one would just be, um, I think the other powerful thing about it is the practical tools that people can get away from it. If they're really listening to the pieces in the sound room, I really believe that people will be able to have physical, practical tools that they can take away for when they go through grieving process, when they're dealing with something that's really hard, when they've experienced, you know, some type of trauma and they're trying to heal from it, they'll have practical things they can do. This project functions as an abolitionist narrative. It calls for an end to the current prison system. It urges us to create new ways of addressing conflict and processes that are more humane. In October of 2022, Tamora Pendehues was awarded a $1 million grant from the Mellon Foundation in further support of the Healing Project. Funding will go towards the expansion of artworks in the Healing Project exhibition, the creation of a book, 
free community programs, and the creation of new content. The grant also provides the initial funding for the Healing Project Transformative Impact Fund, which will offer seed money and mentorship for selected interviewees who are currently or formerly incarcerated to work on their own special projects. All work is based on the premise that the deepest healing strategies come directly from those who have been traumatized and oppressed. To learn more about The Healing Project and listen to audio stories, visit us at radioproject.org. Thank you for listening. I've been your host, Anita Johnson, and you've been listening to Making Contact. Yes, you pretend to care. Hide the weapon. It's all for the crowd You wanna believe so badly That everything was safe Don't nobody lose a fortune It works for you It's awfully loud